The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Friends and confidants, it is everybody's favorite day of the week. No, not because it's the start of the work week. Nobody likes that. But what we do enjoy is reverse chronological lightning round Monday. Good morning to you all. A good day, a good week. I hope you guys had an enjoyable weekend. I did. And I actually, my Monday got off to a pretty good start too. And then I jammed up my garbage disposal for some reason. I I, I, I don't know, man. Hopefully that's not the week taking a turn for the worse. We'll hopefully get this all sorted out shortly. But that's the personal side. The professional side is that we got fantasy basketball to go over. A full weekend of results. Although I'll admit, the... The weekend brought some stuff, but I think middle of last week brought even more. The weekend just got a sort of confirmation on a lot of things. So we'll be going through that today. For those uninitiated, reverse chronological lightning round, we will go backwards through Sunday and then Saturday. And if we have to get to Friday, we'll do that as well to cover each team in the NBA, each team's most recent basketball game and a reset. This is a weekend reset show every Monday to get you guys situated for this coming week now so we can kind of be uh, back on our game, make sure we're, we're right in tune with every team in the NBA. I am Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. At Dan Bespris on Twitter, if you'd like to give me a follow. The podcast is called Fantasy NBA Today, and this is a hoop ball presentation. That website, of course, is hoop-ball.com. You can and should follow them on Twitter at hoopballfantasy. That is the Hoopball blurb feed. That's where all of the news goes out, such as right as I'm hitting the record button today, it says Pascal Siakam listed questionable for Monday. So you don't need to follow every beat writer on Twitter. All you got to do is follow Hoopball Fantasy. So go do that immediately. Also give me a follow. I know I said that already, but that's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Or just search for Dan from Hoopball. And give me a follow on social media. I'll be very grateful to you there. Uh, I don't know what... I, I haven't decided what week this is in terms of our recruiting pitch. It's been going extraordinarily well, this new plan that I've implemented by closing my eyes and throwing darts at a wall, which was uh, three weeks ago, we talked about how we were bringing on some DFS people. We got some great, great new DFS folks on the uh, on the hoopball team. So welcome to those guys. Two weeks ago, we talked about how we were bringing on blurbers, and we got a couple of really good blurbers, many applications, but you, there's, you know, that that's a grind, man. So that one, I guess, knocked a few po- folks off their peg. And then last week, we recruited for our sales division, and a lot of you guys wrote in far more than I would have ever expected. So that's pretty cool. I have a lot of uh, emails to get back at. So if you sent one in, don't worry, it's in my inbox. Things are just a little crazy here on the uh, the best percent of things. So I don't know, we'll recruit something Middle of the show, look for that. Um, we'll obviously bring you some promos here at some point during the show. We've got some other things, requests of you guys as well. But let's just dive right on into the reverse chronological lightning round. No reason to wait any longer. Toronto at Indiana. That was your first game on Sunday morning. It was a battle of cash counters, OG Ananobi. 30 points, 5 steals, a block, 4 three-pointers. What a year he's having. He was one of those guys that we kept referring to as a layup. He's a he's a draft day layup. OG Ananobi, draft day layup. Because there was basically no way that he wouldn't beat his ADP. He was going in the 70s, I think, 60s, 70s. We're like, look, this guy's just gonna this guy's just gonna hang out there or better. And he's shown himself to be quite durable. And he's so much better this year so far. And, of course, with Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam out for the game on Sunday, that allowed him a chance to go really big. But he's averaging 15-6 and six with three, uh, 2.8 defensive stats, 2.5 three-pointers on 48.5% shooting from the field. He's number 35 in 9-cat. Sandwiched between Luka Doncic and Clint Capella in 9-category league so far. So not only was he a layup, but he's actually far exceeded expectations. Chris Boucher... Played 21 minutes. His minutes were a little bit lower in this game. Some of that is just the sort of 
natural bouncing around we've seen of his minutes on the year, but some of that was predictable because the other side had Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner, but luckily Boucher is still number 25 overall, so just ride the uh, giant peaks and ever, ever so tiny valleys. I mean, this was still a pretty good game. 12-7 and seven with a couple of blocks? Absolutely. Norman Powell thrust into a starting role with guys down. When he's, when anyone is hurt on the Raptors, Norman Powell's the guy in. That's just the way it's been so far. When the center is down, they just shift everybody up a slot. When a guard is down, they just shift everybody down a slot and make room for Norman Powell. So if you can, if you can sit on him and utilize him only when somebody is out, there's a path there, but that's a pretty hard way to make a living. Can't really do that in a head-to-head league where he was not, I mean, you're talking about like top 175, top 180 when he was coming off the bench, and then you squeeze him in for a starter's gig for a couple games here and there? I don't know, man. Streamer. He looks like a streamer for this year. Miles Turner on the other side did win the cash counter battle. He had six blocks, three steals, and four three-pointers. He's been amazing. I mean, I, like, this is this is really something. He's number seven by averages in nine-cat leagues right now. And by totals, by the way. 14 and seven. 5.6 combined defensive stats. I keep saying that should probably trend down, and then he raised it. Go figure. I really do think Miles Turner's probably a top 20 guy this year. Even if he settles down a little bit, even if things cool off. I, I don't know how you fall outside the top 20 when you're playing the way he's playing. He's 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 one of the greatest shot blockers in recent history right now. And he's he's making it last. Like, this is a limited sample size still with only 14 games under his belt. But, I mean, you're talking about, what is he at now? Like, 56, 57 blocks in 14 games? He's done his damage there already. Justin Holiday looked great. He played 39 minutes in this ballgame. Jeremy Lamb only played 19 minutes, and I wonder if some of that is because Indy has a back-to-back here with Toronto, and they probably don't want to go too heavy. Maybe we see him play limited minutes in each half of the back-to-back, or maybe he rests the next one, or maybe this was just he played too many minutes in their overtime game the, the, the game before. Uh, he's still a great stash. 13-3 and three with a block and only 19 minutes as he trends into normal starters minutes, and he will, he's he is set for, I would say, top 100 is the floor for Jeremy Lamb, and hopefully there is some room to grow even above that. Doug McDermott is playing pretty big minutes right now. Uh, that feels a little bit dicey because Jeremy Lamb is coming. Aaron Holiday, I would say he's coming for those minutes, but Aaron Holiday looks completely lost on a basketball court right now. So Holiday, you're still rolling with. Justin, sorry, Justin Holiday, you're still rolling with. Jeremy Lamb, you're absolutely stashing. I mean, you can use him in an unlimited format right now. He's not hurting you, really. But you're not trotting him out there in a games cap yet. And then with McDermott, I I don't think I'm trusting in that one. So there was some stuff on that Indiana side. Clippers hosted the Thunder. This was a rematch game. George Hill had a good one, 22-2 and a couple of steals, bringing him kind of right back to the edge of fantasy value at 12-2 and two with a steal, 1.33s. His percentage is back up in the, the 51 and 84 range. Uh, nine category, unlimited games format. He is very much a startable guy because, the, you know, that puts him as a 10th round value on the year so far. And that's, you know, that's, that's questionable. I don't know that that's what you want to be doing in a games cap format, but unlimited, absolutely. And no turnovers there either. Shea was good. Dort was bad. Uh, Darius Baisley was a little bit better. He had 9-11 and 11 with a three-pointer, and he didn't shoot the ball terribly. But he is, I know this is like the hot take of the century, he's a drop, guys. Or at the very, at the very best, Darius Baisley is a stash. Because he's shooting 39% from the field on 10 shots, 76% at the free throw line. He gets a block and a three-pointer a game, and he's at 10 points and seven boards, and that's all well and good. But he's actually doing far more to hurt you than help right now. And maybe that turns. I don't know. As this season goes, perhaps he grows and kind of gets up and over that, that hump and the percentages improve. But at the moment, you, he's not a startable fantasy basketball player. Clippers are fairly straightforward, although Pat Beverly left at halftime and did not return knee soreness was the official ruling. 
uh, which means you're going to see a little bit more Reggie Jackson if he misses any time. Paul George had a coming back down to earth type of ball game. Kawhi Leonard did not. What does it all mean, man? Well, Ivica Zubats and Serge Ibaka continue to split minutes. Zu played better in this one, so he's he got a little extra run, but he's not particularly trustworthy right now. Nick Batum played 36 minutes with no Marcus Morris. He was out for a non-COVID illness. But Batum's actually been able to hang on to value even with Morris back, so you're not dropping there yet. Zu, you're not picking up. Ibaka, you're still trotting out there. Beverly... He's tough in head-to-head because he'll play himself into these injuries pretty regularly. I like him in Roto, not when he's playing 13 minutes and leaving at halftime, but he does get stuff. He's very much an across-the-board kind of basketball player. And no, I'm not picking up Reggie Jackson, and no, I'm not picking up Lou Williams, and, you know, the beat rolls on. Charlotte beat Orlando 107-104. Magic off a long road trip. Cole Anthony looked pretty good in this ballgame, actually. 14 points, 5 boards, 6 assists, a steal, a block. Two three pointers. This is the this is the good iteration of Cole Anthony, which you know, like we talked about, there was no Aaron Gordon on the Magic side, so certainly put that in your analysis as you're looking at this game, which meant they did have to run a little bit more offense through Anthony at the point guard spot. There had been a lot of point Gordon happening for Orlando prior to this ball game, and so when Aaron comes back, you probably see the assists for Anthony drop back off a little. You're not picking up Gary Clark after one decent ball game. You're definitely not picking up James Ennis. Evan Fournier is having some weird free throw line yips at the moment, but overall, he's going to get a ton of usage on this team. They desperately need his floor spacing and scoring. He had 21 points, six assists. You're also going to see his assists trend up because, again, they have no choice but to try to move the ball, utilize their main guys as much as they can, and hang in ball games. Terrence Ross showing some signs here. He only took eight shots which is a bit of a downer. We want that volume to stay nice and high, but he made four of them. So perhaps he's starting to come out of his icy cold tail. I mean, he'd been freezing cold for about two weeks, two and a half weeks now, and uh, you're going to want to catch it if the heater's coming, so just be aware of that. For Cole Anthony, the projection remains the same. He's someone that should remain on your roster. He is not a must-start guy in games cap, but in head-to-head, he is. He's good enough to roll out there. Because he's not killing you. He's getting some steals and blocks, which is kind of nice. There's there's not a ton of upside, at least as long as Fournier, Vooch, and sometimes Gordon, and even Terrence Ross are healthy on this team. But there's also not a ton of downside either as a starting point guard playing 30 minutes a night. Miles Bridges finally had a good ball game. It had been a little bit in between them for him. That moved him uh, back up to 122, so an 11th rounder now. And so he's hanging right around the edge. I don't know. I know I just tried to sell you a bill of goods on George Hill and Pat Beverly, and they're only one round ahead of Miles Bridges in per-game value. I just... Uh, I'm not I'm not a full buyer. And then with Bridges, he's shooting 94% at the free throw line. That feels like it's probably destined to drop off a little. I'd love it if he could get his minutes up into the 30s. I just don't know. I don't see that happening. I mean, even this one, a really good one for him, he only played 25. Gordon Hayward went nuts. He's having a monster year, as I think we all sort of expected he would. He's number 20 in 9-cat right now. I don't know why we're hovering around that. Um, he's he's not really a, a sell. I mean, he's he's just going to be dominant all year long. I think Lamelo Ball probably closed his buy window here. I know he didn't shoot the ball well, but he had eleven five and eight with a steal and a couple of threes. He's just going to slowly, if you can picture it with me, the trend line is going to be positive. He had that sort of big coming out party a couple of weeks ago where he had a, a couple of huge games in a row and the triple double and all that stuff, and then he dipped off. And there are going to be those peaks and valleys, but between day one and day whatever this year, 150-ish, uh, it's going to slowly get better. So wait for one of those little valleys if you want to try to buy, and if you get a peak, maybe you could even consider trying to move him for something. But, it, I mean, he, he, has, he has some pretty cool ability. Devontae Graham shot the ball poorly, although he did get hot briefly in the second half, so it actually could have been a lot worse. Terry Rozier was the one who kind of took it on the chin in this ball game, but he'll be fine in the next one. And then P.J. Washington... Uh, three steals, two blocks, able to, to float the value a little bit there. He's, he remains a must-own guy now that he's playing a ton of minutes and seeing some, although not as much time at center now, with Zeller and Bismack both around. 
but he did. I think he still got about eight minutes at center in this ballgame. That's, that's a big deal for his value. Let's keep moving and then largely jump through this game. Cleveland and Boston was an ugly, ugly blowout. Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown both went huge. Kemba's going to sit out the back-to-back, but he's ready to roll at this point. I mean, he only had to play 24 minutes, but his minutes cap is higher than that. So, um, you know, you can target a top 40 valuation on Kemba because he, he looks great. He looks like his old self. Who cares? Who cares, right? The only interesting thing on the Boston side, Daniel Tice played well. 17-6, two steals, two blocks. I do still feel, though, as though Jason Tatum's return squeezes the big men more than the small guys. Meaning, uh, as Tatum comes back, it's going to force Tice, Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson into a more of a fighting over, you know, table scraps kind of thing at the big man spots. Because they'll just run them large. They'll play Jason Tatum at uh, power forward a little bit. Jalen Brown, more small forward, Smart and Walker in the backcourt to get those guys out on the court. As opposed to right now, where, you know, Tice is seeing a bunch of power forward minutes while Thompson plays a bunch of center minutes. And... The only thing I guess I'm concerned about is how does Jason Tatum impact the Time Lord? Because he was awesome in only 14 minutes, 9-6 and six with three blocks. I do believe he's a must-own player still. If you squatted on him during his long absence, you immediately got rewarded here. What is this, his second game back? So he's a must-own guy. Tice is not, although he did play better in this one in 24 minutes. If there's some magical universe by which Tice finds his way to 26-27 minutes, then yeah. Absolutely. I just don't see the path. And maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm nuts because you guys know I love Daniel Tice. I just, I'm being pragmatic here and I don't know how Tice, Time Lord, Tristan Thompson all find a way. How, how does that work itself in a way where Tice gets 26, 27 minutes? Because Tatum's going to play 32, 33 at least once he's healthy. And some of those are coming at power forward. And then there's all these other guys. Floating in the wings, Semi Ojale, Grant Williams. They're not just totally gone. Certainly keep an eye. Keep an eye on Tice. If he's actually kind of playing himself into game shape here and, you know, against the not giant opposing centers, there's a, there's a universe. But it's just not, it's not an easy road for him to see enough consistent minutes to get there. Put him on your watch list. Keep him there for now. Washington played their first game in forever, and Bradley Beal looked pretty good. 31 points, but it took him 29 shots to get there. They, they just couldn't get fouled. Nobody could get fouled in this game. Just let them whack the crap out of each other. Russ played in a surprising twist, and not well. He did have 9, 8, and 6, but no defensive stats. One three-pointer, terrible shooting, missed his free throws, four turnovers. Legitimately, they are worse with him on the court right now, but I do think that'll improve as the season goes along. And then... You know, the rest of the, they didn't have half of their guys back still. They, they had enough to play a basketball game, but that was it. Meanwhile, on the Spurs side, rookie Devin Vassell, 14-4-1, two steals, a block, four three-pointers. Put him on your watch list. I don't know that he can find his way to high 20s in minutes. I mean, he saw extra time here in a blowout. Normally, those minutes probably go to a Patty Mills or a Lonnie Walker, and Derek White is still out. So don't get overexcited. But... He's interesting, at the very least. DeMar, Keldon, DeJounte Murray, those guys are the obvious ones right now. Lonnie Walker, his fantasy game is a bit limited. He was good in this one, but he needs to get a bunch of shots up, and then the, you know the steals need to sort of supplement it. LaMarcus Aldridge actually was okay for a couple games in a row. I have not seen a big man try to avoid rebounds the way he has I mean, even Brooke Lopez is rebounding better than LaMarcus right now. So he's just going to have a down year, just sort of Ride it out. You're not going to get much for him. He's number 136 right now. And the only thing you really see improving for LaMarcus is the field goal percent. So if that comes up from 45.5 to more like 49, then you're probably talking about someone in that top 90 range. And that might be where he goes this year. Although field goal percent comes up, maybe the, the scoring comes up as well. So I guess there's a path to a little bit better. He's probably not going to hit his ADP, but he's also not going to be as bad as he was or is, right now. Nothing really in that ballgame, though. You're not making any large changes on the Wizards' side. Not At least not until their guys come back. They did sign Alex Len and Jordan Bell, and maybe there's a wacky universe where Alex Len plays a bunch of center minutes, but I don't see how he and Robin Lopez and Mo Wagner all coexist there either. Atlanta, 
scheduled loss for the Hawks. They decided to rest their guys that had been playing, well, the best on the team. Trey Young, okay, maybe he hadn't been playing the best, the best on the team, but he is certainly their motor. And Clint Capella, who'd been insanely good lately. Cam Reddish came back, played 28 minutes, but didn't do anything with it. Uh, that's, I guess, one note on that ball game. Keep one eye on Cam Reddish. And then keep one eye on Danilo Gallinari here because he's ramping up uh, about as fast as we could have hoped, honestly. And this is the beauty of Gallo. His free throw shooting will always buttress his numbers in a couple of ways. It's sort of a, it's kind of the double whammy effect, right? Like the free throw percent itself is helpful for his fantasy value because that's a fantasy stat category and he hasn't missed one yet this year. But also, when you make a bunch of free throws, your scoring improves. You don't have to take that many shots to get there. He had 17 points in 19 minutes in this ballgame. Three boards, two assists, three three-pointers. He's not going to get you many defensive stats. But as Gallo ramps back up to full speed here, and we're probably only, I don't know, what, three games away from it? He actually could be a top 75, top 80 kind of guy on this team. So hopefully... He got dropped. I t- I've told this story already on the pod, so I don't want to do it again, but hopefully you guys were able to stash him because uh, his role got better while he was out. Bobby Portis had a big one, not surprising, in a blowout ball game, and that's the way it's going to be for him. And otherwise, with this team, things are pretty easy. Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo, Giannis Adetokounmpo, Chris Middleton. Moving along. The Knicks fought back against the Blazers, had a chance in this ball game. But couldn't quite get over the hump. Emmanuel quickly was incredible off the Knicks bench. He had 31 points in 24 minutes. 9 out of 18 shooting. 5 three-pointers. 8 of 8 at the free throw line. We all love him because he looks better than Alfred Payton right now. And frankly, I think he probably is better than Payton right now. But he does miss some stuff on defense. And we all know Tom Thibodeau. Here's my take on this. And I, I chatted about it a bit on Twitter last night. So for those of you that caught that, this will be kind of a repeat for you. Um, I think you kind of have to squat on him, understanding that he hasn't won the job yet. And Thibodeau is uh, pretty stubborn with stuff like this. My hope is that as the season goes, you kind of see that trending towards quickly. That he picks up enough on defense and kind of learns enough about running their offense to where then Peyton moves into the back seat and quickly is getting the 27, 28 minutes a game. If you have a spot... And the beauty of it here, there, there's sort of a uh, the, the fun half of this, is that if you're in an unlimited games format, there really isn't a whole lot to lose having him on your team. Meaning, he'll be fine, not great, he'll be fine even in the games where he's not putting up the giant numbers. Meaning, you know, he had a couple games there. He had a 17-minute a, a game where he went for 8 points and 2 assists, which is not good, but it's not really killing you. And he's a good free throw shooter, 91% on the year. So his floor is, you know, top 175-ish when he's actually playing 17, 18 minutes of ball game. Which, by the way, listen, that's not good. That's not good. And he doesn't seem like a guy who gets many defensive stats, at least. And maybe that profile changes, but so far that appears to be the case. Not much on the defensive side of the basketball. But with a, with a top 175 basement. I mean, that is the absolute lowest he could possibly go. And then nothing but upside beyond that. What you saw yesterday was a guy who, you know, wants to play his way towards a top 80 valuation or something to that effect. And and there's room on this team. So I think you can squat on him. I think it's worthwhile. There's upside there. Uh, I would pick him up. I would pick him up just understanding that it might be a bit and you might grow impatient. Two other notes on the Knicks side. Alex Bur- Alec Burke excuse me, played 27 minutes here, so he's ramped back up to mostly full speed now. 18-4, and four, three steals, five three-pointers. He had a great ball game. Uh, he looks like he's ready to rumble again. And then on the center front, we saw something. I don't think it's a changing of the guard necessarily, but it was a 26-22 minute split between Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel. That's a big deal. I don't know if this was a one-off, but we've seen from Noel, he's starting to play a little bit better. He's starting to look a little bit more comfortable with this team. And after just a, a an horrendous start to the year, 
He's about around 150 range over the last two weeks, which admittedly, not great. Not great. He's still not shooting the ball well. He still looks a little bit out of sorts, you know, with what the Knicks are doing. But his rebounding has improved. His minutes have been trending up a little bit. He's more in that 19-minute range over the last week, two weeks, as opposed to 14 or 15. And if that's the case, then you probably adjust your your valuation of Mitchell Robinson down a little bit. My, I thought he was going to be a top 30, 35 guy if he's playing starters minutes. But if he's playing just slightly sub-starters minutes, you're probably talking about more like a top 50 Mitchell Robinson. And Nerlens Noel playing 18 to 20 minutes. We saw that last year. He's a top 80 guy in that amount of time. So uh, Nerlens... Look at your league, make the call that way. If you're in a league where you have to pick up a guy like that immediately, then go do it. If you think you can sit and watch for a game or two, because again, 6-11 and 11 with a steal is not a massive needle mover, but the 22 minutes is relevant. They also left the bench out there a little bit longer because they were part of the team making a run. R.J. Barrett only played 23 minutes. We saw it quickly. He got up to 24, so Peyton was down at 24 as well. And really, Burks and Randall were the two starters that saw fairly normal minutes in this game. So I don't know that we need to read too much into it, but I would also caution you not to wait too long on guys like Noel or Quickly, should something actually pivot here. On the Portland side, we're getting the answer of what is what are the Blazers going to do with no CJ and no Nurk, and the answer is a whole lot of Damian Lillard, who had 39, 5, and 8 and he was just transcendent, and they needed every bit of it to get over the hump in this game because the rest of the Blazers are not very good. I can't... I Like, well, Ennis Cantor, obviously you start him. He had three blocks in this game, which is pretty weird. A lot of them are sort of those LaMarcus Aldridge low-level strip blocks on guys going the way up, but listen, you take it. Mello, who shot the ball very poorly, is 3 for 14 in this game, might actually sustain 9-cap value while CJ and Nurk are both out. He provides something that the other scorer types on this team don't, meaning, you know, Gary Trent, he can space the floor and hit the three ball. Rodney Hood, same deal. He can space the floor. Mello can get to the foul line. The other guys can't really. He can shoot uh, not great. I mean, his field goal percent is always going to be bad, but he can space the floor. He can go try to get himself a bucket. He's really the only other guy on this team that can go get himself a bucket. So I think Mello, around 26 minutes, is probably the target for him, but you're also going to see him just chucking shots in his 26 minutes of ballgame. And so if CJ is really out another three and change weeks here, you probably have about three and a half weeks of Mello being nine-cat relevant. And somehow, he's racking up defensive stats this year, which feels like it's going to level off, but, you know, limited sample size, things like that can actually hold. The other note on the Portland side is... Uh, the the battle for wing minutes, and Derek Jones Jr. continues to win those, although, you know, 14-5 and five with a three ball yesterday, no defensive stats. He's still my pick of the who's going to fill in on the wing for CJ, but I, maybe I should have clarified that by saying it's quite possible that Hood, Jones, Trent, none of those guys actually do enough to be fantasy relevant. I just think Derek Jones Jr. has probably the best path to becoming it for the next three and a half weeks or so. Uh, and and you can probably put Mello at the top of that chart as well. I got to talk to you guys for a minute about Rob Covington. He he deserves his own segment on today's show. And then we'll try to pick up the speed a little bit more because we're like, we're not even halfway through the lightning round here and we're some 28 minutes into the podcast. But Covington requires some attention because he had four points, three boards, two assists, and two blocks in 28 minutes of this ball game, and you're probably going to start seeing him pop up on waiver wires if you haven't already. And what I would tell you is, get him. You might not, e- again, you might not even have to buy Rob Covington right now. You might just be able to use waiver priority on Roco right now. There is almost nobody in the NBA currently as cold shooting as Rob Covington. He is now at 30% on the year. 30 30, six and a half points, five and a half rebounds, 1.4 steals, 0.6 blocks, and one and a half three-pointers. Here's the thing about Rocco. It's going to come around, and when it does, other stuff comes with it. Let me tell you a story. The year was 2016. 
Yeah, we're going all the way back, guys. The city was Philadelphia. The man was Rocco. 2016, I drafted Rob Covington. I drafted Rob Covington on a team that had a couple of injured players, either coming out of the draft or got hurt in the first week, two weeks of the season. And I was left with a brutal decision, a brutal decision that really messed with my head. The decision was, this is a Games Cap Roto League, by the way. The decision was, look, I only have right now, between the three or four injuries, the one or two guys that were already just sort of floating at the end of my roster and may have had some upside, and the guy that I expected to be a starter all year that was so bad I couldn't drop him into my lineup. And that guy was Covington. Rob Covington, through his first 16 games... In the 2016-2017 NBA season, shot 31%. He shot 31%. He was getting more steals. I'll give you that. He was getting more steals that year than, uh, than he's getting right now in Portland. But otherwise, it wasn't that different season over season. They had some overtime games in there that actually sort of inflated his playing time a tiny bit. But overall, those first 16 games... Of the 2016 NBA season. I know. I know. Like, Dan, that's four damn years ago at this point. Nobody, does anybody really care about four years ago? The answer is you should. You should. Because it, and if you really, and if you want to look at a date range, like if you want to just play this game with me, it was basically October 25th, around when the season started, to the middle of December. So about a month and a half to start that year. Rob Covington, uh, actually, was a little bit earlier than that. He was already at 35% by the middle of December. So it was actually, what, one week earlier? Let me make sure I get this. Let me make sure I get this right. Yeah, he was at 31% that year through the first 20 games, excuse me. And he was at 8.5 points, 5.2 rebounds, 2 steals, 0.7 blocks. Okay. Fine, I'll give you that. Right now he's at 1.4 steals and 0.5 blocks. So his defensive stats are down uh, from 2.6 it was to 1.9. Which, by the way, I think those will be coming around here shortly as well. But 5.5 rebounds this year? Compare that to what did we just say? 5.2. He's actually higher. This season, Rocco, 1.7 assists. That year, it was at 1.1. What's the difference? Is it 8.4 points and 31% shooting there? Is it 6.5 points here and 30% shooting this season? Uh, so even worse. He was taking about one additional shot per game. Those first 20 games with Philly four years ago than he is in Portland right now. That's it. You guys remember where he ended up in 2016? If you don't, I'll be happy to remind you. 37. 37. 13.6 rebounds, two steals, a block, two three-pointers, 40% shooting. Meaning, basically the rest of the way, he played another 47 games after that. The rest of the way, he shot about 44%. 44-45%. Somewhere in that neck of the woods. There was a heater in there where he was a top, where he was a first-round guy for about four weeks and this is why you cannot give up on a guy like Rob Covington especially when the issue is is staring us in the grill the way it is right now and I get it the defensive stats haven't totally come around yet but the dude is shooting 30 percent he's so deep in his own head on these shots that he just he can't get out of his own way so please either go get Covington or pick him up or, or you know whatever you got to do and feel free to stash him if you want. You don't have to start the dude. But do not give up on Rocco. It was the great that is the single greatest mistake I've ever made in fantasy sports. Dropping Rob Covington five weeks into that season when he was outside the top 130. I think it was number 135-ish. One, it was 120 something, 130 something. Not that far off from where he is right now. Maybe a round, round and a half earlier. Two rounds, maybe at most. 
And then he was a top 30 guy the rest of the year. Killed me. I think I still did pretty well that year, but I could have. I mean, it would have been a boat race. Uh, turn the clock back to Saturday. We'll try to move a little bit faster here. Philly back at mostly full strength, although Joel Embiid might be out on the uh, for their game coming up today. Although, it's a little weird. Well, we'll see. They, you know, he's been questionable, and then their guys have been in. With Seth Curry back, it's a four-man race there. Tobias, Joel, Seth, and Simmons. And I wouldn't go any farther than that in standard leagues. On the Detroit side, however, things have been changing. First, Jeremy Grant cooled off in a big way. He's actually had a couple ball games in a row where he has not shot the ball well. And uh, that's, a, that's a good way to knock yourself down a little bit. He's now number 29 in nine-category leagues. Luckily, he's uh, been good enough in so many other categories to sort of cover up the fact that his field goal percent has been falling like a boulder. Um, and, I, you know, honestly, I don't know where he's going to level off with this one. He'll probably have a heater coming up. DeLon Wright looked, has looked really good here lately. He's, you know, they didn't have Blake Griffin or Derrick Rose, so you knew he was going to get a whole bunch to do, but he's actually looked pretty good regardless and is a startable guy. Derrick Rose, as actually who, who didn't play in this game on Saturday, has actually been startable. Uh, our buddy Mason Plumlee fouled out in 19 and a half minutes. I would give him a little bit more leash, although I admit now he's tumbled a bit lately. Uh, Plumlee has fallen outside the top 100 thanks to a, a slower recent spell. His free throw percent kind of trending back down toward his, towards his career mark. And we're just going to need to see... Uh, a few extra minutes, basically. The minutes have been moving in the wrong direction. So keep an eye on that. Plumlee could actually fall into the drop department here if this doesn't spin and somewhat quickly. Uh, Derek Rose, as I mentioned, if you're in a games cap and you can handle the rest days, you're probably okay with using him. And then the guy that I really like lately is one we did a big profile on on our Friday podcast, which is Wayne Ellington. He had 17 points, four threes, two steals in this ballgame. You want to talk about a guy who really came roaring out of nowhere. Wayne is your guy. Over the last week, he's number 44, hitting 5.3 three-pointers per game. Over his last four games, he's gone 7-4-6-4 from downtown. That's nuts. He's a must-own player right now, and it seems like Dwayne Casey adores him on the basketball court. And why not? He's the only dude on the whole team that can shoot. He opens the floor up for all these other things that the Pistons want to do. So Wayne Ellington, absolutely positively a must-own fantasy player right now. That could change. But they like it. And Dwayne Casey's running veterans out there for whatever reason. Try to teach the young guys, I guess. When Killian Hayes comes back, but this could still be two months, by the way, then we'll reassess this stuff. But, I mean, we're talking about late March at that point. You can get a lot of three-pointers out of Ellington between now and then if this really does hold. Miami waged a furious comeback but couldn't quite make it all the way back and get Brooklyn, who still isn't playing any defense. But whatever. Kyrie, KD, Joe Harris was amazing in this game. He had seven three-pointers, so he bounced back nicely. DeAndre Jordan, 8-8 eight and eight with a block, 4-for-4 four four shooting, but only 20 minutes. Jeff Green played 26 center minutes and at 11, 5, and 3. And right now, uh, both of those guys are actually worth using, although Green did foul out, so I, I guess there's a question of whether he might have logged another minute or two. Keep an eye on DeAndre Jordan. He has the easier path to value. We are hearing the Nets connected to other center options, which might ruin both of these guys, so certainly pay attention to that. And then, you know, James Harden has taken the passive role with his new team so far, which... You know, kudos, by the way, to James, because someone was going to have to do it, and he's trying to fit in. Good for him. Bam Adebayo had 41, 9 assists, 5 rebounds, and if I told you he was a center from that stat line, you'd be like, but we all, of course, know. Bam with that big ball game, and here he's played so huge with Butler out and Harrow out and everybody out. Uh, he's shooting 86% at the free throw line. Def defensive stats are oddly down for Bam. He's number 23. On a per-game basis right now, I think that probably trends the wrong way as his usage takes a hit. Kelly Olynyk had another kind of clunky one, although he salvaged it with six boards, four assists, three steals, and a three-pointer. Keep watch on that. Keep watch on that. He he. We know how Olynyk runs. Sometimes he gets those two- to three-week spurts going, and then it just sort of seems like he runs out of gas. And if that's what's happening here then we may have an opportunity to move on. If not, I wouldn't make the move yet. 
Because, again, he shot two for nine in this game. If he goes four for nine and one of those is a three-pointer, then it's 10-6-4 with five cash stats, and we would call that a great line. It's the 22 minutes that concern me, especially on a shorthanded Miami team, but I guess they just didn't like the way he was dealing with Brooklyn. I think he was guarding Kevin Durant for stretches, which, yeah, good luck with that, Kelly Olinick. Good luck with that, anyone. Brooklyn shot 54% and barely won this ballgame. They got to figure out how to stop somebody. It's going to take some time, though. Minnesota beat New Orleans. Pelicans are in free fall right now, although at least Lonzo looked better in this game. So did Brandon Ingram, who had 30, uh, but seven turnovers, and that was really uh, not good. I mean, Minnesota won this game shooting 43% because they turned it over nine fewer times, shot 37 free throws, which was pretty weird. But you take it. Jared Vanderbilt looked great. We thought he would be a great fill-in for Cat. It's been kind of a bounce around. You're not doing much with, with Minnesota here. D'Angelo Russell sat this game out, so Ricky Rubio had a one-game path to playing a bunch of point guard minutes. I sure hope he can stick, because they need him running the point. Russell has not looked... Frankly, he has not looked competent running the point. I don't think I'm picking up Ricky Rubio after this one decent ball game. He's floating around in a couple of my leagues, but if, let's say D'Angelo plays tonight in Golden State and Rubio still gets into that 24 to 26 minute range, I'd consider throwing him back on my team. So put him on the I might pick you up tonight list, depending on how this next ball game goes. And we'll talk about that, of course, as we get into the preview section of our podcast that here coming up very soon for New Orleans. Josh Hart played enough minutes to be good, but wasn't. J.J. Redick, they should probably trade him at this point. I don't, I'm sure he's got something to give to a, a better ball club. Eric Bledsoe finally played better. I mean, this is a weird game because the main guys for New Orleans actually were okay. Lonzo was pretty good. Brandon was all right. Zion was okay. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he was all right. Bledsoe was pretty good, and they still got smoked. Steven Adams was not good at all. In any event, we'll see if the Pels can get their heads out of their you-know-whats and, and move along. And for the Minnesota side, I think you're just watching closely Ricky Rubio because Cat uh, will soak up anything going on in the front court, and I'm frankly not all that interested in uh, streaming Minnesota because they've been sort of bouncing around who actually gets the minutes. Lakers blew out the Bulls. This game ended at an 11-point ball game, but it wasn't really close for most of the night. Bulls trotted their starters out there anyway. Good, good on you, Billy Donovan. Play your guys. See what the hell happens. Wasn't even nearly enough, but at least, like, they shot the ball so terribly that none of these guys really had a good ball game. But think about how bad it would have been if they only played 24 minutes instead of 30. Anthony Davis, pretty good at basketball. I'm going to go out on a limb he's now worked his way up to number 12 in nine category leagues after kind of a slow start and that'll just that'll just keep climbing every time you blink your eyes he's about seven to ten slots higher I would not be at all surprised to see Anthony Davis at the number one slot before this season is done but we'll see I mean look at him right now 3.2 combined defensive stats he could actually go higher than that 22 and 9 54 percent from the field he's only at 73 percent at the free throw line normally he's a net positive there Flip that over, and he jumps over at least half the first round here. Ah, Anthony Davis. Not that you ever could have bought low there. Let's keep moving. This game's not that interesting. The Lakers, honestly, as a team, are, are not particularly interesting. AD, LeBron, and sometimes Montrez Harrell. And that's it. Dennis Schroeder's been a drop for a couple of weeks, and hopefully you guys have been able to jump on that. DeMarcus Cousins. You know what? Forget the line he put up, because the line was great. Everything is, I mean, he's still outside the top 230 on the year, shooting 31.5% and all that good stuff. Forget the fact that he put up this monster of a line because it was pretty pretty stellar. 28-17-5 with four three-pointers, finally had a game with good percentages. What I was happy to see, dude played 30 minutes and seemed fine. Eric Gordon, of course, he's an ad. John Wall came back from his knee thing and only had to play 21 minutes because it was a monster blowout, he'll trend back up in that department. It seems more and more like the uh, other guy to keep an eye on is David Dewaba, but we'll really see when Oladipo and Wall and Wood are all there together, because you're going to see a lot of Gordon, Wood, Wall, and Depot, 
And then you're sort of left to figure out where everything else goes. So I wouldn't, I'm not picking up Nawaba. I know he's looked pretty good. And, you know, he, by all accounts, he's the, he's the best potential fit. But they may have to go P.J. Tucker if they need a little bit more size for that sort of additional roster spot. Because you're looking at the power forward slot, basically. I guess either one of those guys could potentially do it. Nawaba's a little smaller, a little quicker, a little younger. The thing that I'm interested in with this Houston team is, do they play Christian Wood at power forward at all? Because right now, Wood is going to get his 32 center minutes, which leaves only 16 center minutes for Boogie. If they slide Wood down, and even like four minutes of power forward, even that's all it would take. It's a funny thing. Those, do, those guys play together for four to five minutes a game, Suddenly you got Boogie in the 20-minute range. You keep Christian Wood in the 32-33 minute range. Just change where a couple of those are coming. He's quick enough. I mean, it wouldn't be great against really fast power forwards. Maybe that's the game where you switch it up a little bit. But with Boogie playing 30 minutes and looking really good and Houston winning decisively, this to me is a really nice sign for him maybe getting to play a little bit more. Maybe they do let his minutes trend up here even when Christian Wood comes back. We shall see, but it's a game like that one is why we have all just been kind of hanging on for dear life. Meanwhile, on the Dallas side, Luka Doncic had issues at the free throw line, and he can't get himself out of that top 30 range. I just realized this one's running long. Throw all your Mavs stuff out. They're still waiting on some guys coming back, and, uh, you know, Jalen Brunson is your potential streamer here. Denver and Phoenix... I'll never forgive them for the way this game went. I had the under, and it was going to go under both in regulation and one overtime. And then they went to two. There was no Devin Booker. He hurt his hamstring in the previous game, the previous night. So Chris Paul nearly triple-doubled. Jay Crowder, who was one of the few players who had energy after the previous night, had 21. Cameron Johnson, he's played well in his starting role. DeAndre Ayton's really been coming on here lately. I don't know that anything changes much. Other than, you know, Cam Johnson has been uh, okay. He's number 125, and if he continues to hold that starter spot, he probably does end up being worth an add, although he probably is added in your league already. He was like 30-something percent rostered even to start the year. So, uh, whatever. I mean, he's he's floating around. You can probably pick him up if he, if he wasn't already. I'm not super excited about him. Because he relies heavily on the percentages, so if those slip, there isn't a, a, a lot left to sort of buffer that. And then otherwise, everything is uh, fairly straightforward. Denver got Michael Porter Jr. back for these games in Phoenix, and um, Will Barton was terrible in this one. He was completely exhausted from the previous ball game. Michael Green kind of picked up the slack there. And uh, no, I'm not dropping Barton yet. I know this was a really bad ball game, but we saw him. He actually was playing pretty well previously and I don't think Porter completely ruins him I think tons of overtime games might I don't know that his body can handle that but hang on a little bit longer there Warriors in Utah this is a blowout as well so I think I'm going to throw out most of this data nothing really nothing to learn uh Boyan Bogdanovich starting to play a little bit better on that Utah side Mike Conley's been awesome so far this year but otherwise yeah nothing nothing really there and then quickly here a check on Friday any teams that played on Friday that we didn't get to cover over the weekend, I believe I believe we got through almost all of them. Did we talk about, yeah, we talked about Cleveland a little bit. They got blown out. Where the hell did that ball game go? Did we just jump over that one? Oh, I know. I talked about the Boston side, but not really the Cleveland side. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Cleveland and Sacramento, I believe, was another team that didn't go over the weekend. Cleveland did, but we kind of jumped over them a tad. Uh, the Cavaliers are, they got Darius Garland back over the weekend, and he'll be slowly ramping up his involvement. He's a must-own player. Andre Drummond, Jared Allen is going to be a thing to watch. I think that trade ends up hurting both of those guys. Torian Prince seems like he's going to be fringy. All season long, I don't know how he carves out enough with Garland and Sexton back. And then if Kevin Love comes back in a week or two, then you really got a logjam on your hands. So in terms of ads or drops, mostly just stick with what you had. Garland, Sexton, Nance, Drummond, Allen, those guys are all on fantasy teams right now, and they should remain as such 
while we wait to see how some of this stuff plays out. And with Sacramento, the only thing that's been taking place there that's been a little bit interesting is that Marvin Bagley's been seeing more consistent minutes. I know uh, Nemanja Bielica has been out, but he was sort of out of the rotation anyway. It's nice to see Bagley get up on over 30 a few games in a row, and if he sticks there, uh, then there's a little bit of upside to pursue. He's going to have to figure out how to make some more of his free throws because he's sub-rookie year right now. But the rebounding's been pretty good. Uh, if he's out there for 30-some-odd minutes, he'll bungle his way into some steals and blocks, and then he'll, he'll get his, you know, dozen shots up at the rim. And so he becomes... He's not even a buy low. I mean, I guess he's a little bit of a buy low. He's, he's way over-rostered given how he's played. But I think everybody looks at him and says, like, look, we can see that as he's been playing better here lately and we know what he's done in the past, there's a points, rebounds, some threes, some steals, some blocks. We just got to get that, really, the free throw percent at 57 right now. That We got to get that straightened away. And then, uh, and then you're looking at somebody that could claw inside the top 100, and that's the hope, I think, with Marvin Bagley. Woo! And that was a serious reverse chronological lightning round. Uh, big thank you, as always, to our buddies at mybookie.ag. We start the week by reminding you at what an incredible partner they've been for us and our Wager Pass partnership here at HoopBall. That is your promo here in the middle of the show. Uh, because most of you guys listening to this podcast, you've made your decision on what you're using for fantasy, but why not dive in on the sports betting side? And for those of you that are already doing it, why not let us at HoopBall, the analysts at HoopBall, help carry you through this long NBA season and every major sport? That's right. HoopBall handicaps NBA, college hoops, NFL, college football when that was happening, baseball, hockey, soccer, MMA, you name it. We're capping it. We're handicapping it. The wager pass is $9.99 a month and covers all seven hoop ball handicappers, meaning that's 33 cents a day. And for instance, yesterday, we had 10 plays out. Yesterday, we had 10 plays. I went 2-0 for three units. Brewski went 4-0 for nine units. Eric went 2-0 for three units. Troy went 1-1 for half a unit, roughly, a little bit less than half a unit. So everybody that had a play yesterday actually ended up with a winning day for hoop ball. It was incredible. It was incredible. We went 9-1 and one as a team, and you got all of those picks for 33 cents with the hoop ball wager pass. Go to hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab, choose wager pass, and then buy. Buy wager pass. $9.99 a month. If you bet 5 bucks per game... Yesterday alone, and you follow, or five bucks per unit, I guess. What, what did I just say we were? Hoopball was up like 15 and a half units. So you made 75 bucks in one day. If you bet more than that, I mean, what if you're betting 20, 30, 50, $100? Like, we're talking about a crazy day yesterday. Really excited about everything going on. I've got a handful of stuff coming up, and we'll talk about some of these games here in a minute. And you can make all these bets over at mybookie.ag. Go there now and sign up for an account with promo code HOOPBALL. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. First, get yourself a wager pass. Then open up a MyBookie account and let's win some money together. It's so much fun. I love it. Handicapping is the damn best until Phoenix and Denver go to double overtime and ruin your under. That, then handicap is, is no longer the best. It's a 10-game Monday, folks, but we're going to blitz through it here because we got a lot of things to watch for and a lot of handicapping to go over. So we'll do it. Uh, piece by piece, from a fantasy standpoint, let's let's lightning round these games because there's a few things to watch for. On the Charlotte side, very little other than what Cody Zeller does to the front court rotation. That's a pretty easy one. Orlando, Aaron Gordon's health, Cole Anthony's usage and role is basically what you're watching for, and if whether or not Evan Fournier can hit a free throw anymore. Philly, whether or not Joel Embiid is playing. The line suggests he's not, but we'll wait and see. Detroit, Wayne Ellington, DeLon Wright, how are those guys looking? Derrick Rose, does he play 22 minutes or less than that? How does he perform in this rematch set? Toronto, who's healthy? That's it. That's an easy one. If they're not, Norman Powell's in. If they are, he's probably out. Indiana, Jeremy Lamb on the back-to-back. What does he look like here? Is he going to play? Is he going to play 19 minutes again? Or is he going to sit this one out? How's Justin Holiday looking? Doug McDermott, all that good stuff. Miami, 
Still waiting on some guys. Sounds like Avery Bradley's hoping to be back by the end of the week, and maybe that's the story for Jimmy Butler as well. But uh, in the meantime, you just sort of trot out the dudes you got. Brooklyn, uh, the Jeff Green-DeAndre Jordan battle is pretty much the only thing because it does really look like Joe Harris is still going to be fine just because he's going to be so damn wide open. He's number 76 in nine-category leagues right now, and you know he, he could really stay pretty close to that on 11 shots a game because his efficiency is terrific. Lakers, nothing. Cavs, watching Jared Allen, Andre Drummond, Larry Nance, Darius Garland coming back from injury. You're watching Torian Prince's role. Denver, Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton, Jamichael Green. How do these guys coexist? Dallas, not much because they're still missing a bunch of guys. Spurs, what's Devin Vassell's role? LaMarcus Aldridge, Jakob Pertl, how does that situation resolve itself? Pelicans are a mess. They're back home after a long road trip. Can they rebound? Is Lonzo Ball going to finally start to get warm? Will they start running a little bit? Can they start running a little bit? Boston, um, not much. I mean, you know, we'll see if anybody decides to come back. Time Lord is, I think, worth watching, just what his minutes look like. Daniel Tice as well. Chicago, Otto Porter's minutes. Denzel, uh, excuse me, Garrett Temple has actually been pretty good for them aside from that Lakers game, so keep an eye on him. Oklahoma City, the usual. Portland, Rocco. You're watching Rocco. Can he actually knock some shots down? Carmelo Anthony, what's his role look like with everybody hurt? Derek Jones Jr. versus Gary Trent versus Rodney Hood versus Carmelo Anthony. Minnesota, Ricky Rubio, especially if D'Angelo Russell's back. That's where we want to get our data on Rubio. And then with the Warriors, really nothing. From a gambling standpoint, there's a bunch of angles floating around here. Orlando now in a rematch against Charlotte in their second game back home after a long road trip. Detroit and Philadelphia. This is also a rematch. Philly sort of coasted in the first one. We'll see if they wake up a bit here. Detroit's had a knack for playing competitive games with good teams so far this year. We'll see if that happens again. Toronto and Indiana. That's another rematch. Although we're waiting to see who's actually healthy enough to play in this ballgame. Miami-Brooklyn, another re. I mean, it's crazy. The first four games on the card. Brooklyn's still not playing any defense, so I have to lean to Miami in that one. Lakers-Cavs. Lakers have just been destroying teams on their road trip. Does Denver have any hangover from their two overtime games in Cleveland? Or, excuse me, in uh, in Phoenix, looking at Cleveland said the word Phoenix. Dallas, they just got blown out. Do they bounce back, or are they just exhausted? Two exhausted teams there. Spurs taking on a Pelicans team that just got home after an awful six-game road trip. Boston, are they ramping back up, or do they just catch the Cavs on an ugly night yesterday? Chicago, they've been really competitive, only getting four points at home, though. That's not very much. Thunder, they're a fighting bunch, aren't they? Portland can't guard anybody. They're laying a pretty big number there considering they can't stop anyone. And then Minnesota, are they starting to wake up or was that a blip? Warriors laying a lot here against a Wolves team that is not very good. Recruiting pitch time. I thought about it and I thought about it. And I thought about it a little bit more. And I think the recruiting pitch this week is for our gaming division since we talk so much about sports betting here. Hoop ball is looking, and, you know, we're pretty loaded up at the moment on NBA handicappers, but frankly, if you are a sports better, and you've been doing it for a bit, and you've had some success, and you think, you know what, I want to jump onto the analyst side. I want to get on a sports betting podcast. I want to make my plays out to the community. I want to help everybody and be a part of a growing team here at HoopBall in the HoopBall Gaming Division. This is your clarion call. This week, we are recruiting for HoopBall Gaming. First of all, follow them on Twitter, at HoopBall Gaming. That's got to be your first step. And then either tweet at me, at Dan Vespers, or email TeamHoopBall at Hoop-Ball.com with the subject line, the sports betting division. And I'll check that thing out. Tell me how you've done, how long you've been sports betting, what sports you wager on, because this is a year-round endeavor. And we're always looking to bulk up non-NBA portions of our proceedings, or frankly, anything at this point. We're bulking up. We're bulking up. We're growing. And let's see if you've got what it takes. So again, hit me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. If you want to be a part of our sports gaming division, if you're already doing the handicapping, might as well do it where everyone can see it. Folks, this was your Monday edition. I know we zipped through the preview stuff just because, you know, honestly, 
the reverse chronological lightning round was the, was the key point here. If you want to see any of my other thoughts, you know they're always going to be out there on Twitter anyway, and you know where to go for that. If you've been listening to the podcast and enjoying what you've heard, please drop a five-star review on iTunes or whatever site you're using to listen to the show. Drop a nice review and subscribe. That button is so critical. If you're just, like, downloading shows intermittently, please just hit the subscribe button so they all end up on your mobile device. That is big for us moving up the charts. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I am Dan Baspris, running low on voice here as we come to the end of the show. Back at your first thing Tuesday morning. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.